You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. Let's try that again. Good morning, Radiant Church. There we go, because the second service always beats you, just so you know. So good morning. I'm Troy Nair. I'm one of the elders here at Radiant Church. And today, I have the privilege of bringing today's message to you. So we're in part two of a series entitled Rhythms of Rest. Last week, Adam Arnold spoke on restoring Sabbath as a way to restore our souls. We learned that rest is a part of God's rhythm. We also learned that Adam has moves. Adam (laughs) broke out into some moves last week, which I will not duplicate. So today I want to talk to you guys a little bit about quieting the noises in your life as a way of rest. It's hard to rest when our lives are so noisy, isn't it? There's so much competing for our time, for our energy, our thought patterns. It just goes on. And, you know, it's so hard because the noises are so loud. So I'll explain what all that means in just a moment, but we're going to take a moment to pray, and then we're going to dive into what uh, God has given me. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Father, I just pray for all the hearts that are here today, Father. Will you open up their minds? Will you open up their hearts to what you have to say today? Father, we all struggle with noises in our lives. We all deal with it every single day. But a lot of times, the noises that we're overcome with are those noises that we have allowed to enter into our lives. So today, I'm just asking that you simply use me, that my words are your words, and that today, someone can take another step in that three-week commitment that Adam talked about in rest. And I thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever considered how noisy our lives have become? Maybe that's you right now. Maybe there's just so much going on in your life that you're crippled. You know, the phone's buzzing. They're going off throughout today. I'm sure everybody deals with that. Uh, TV, constantly on the background. How many people in your home, when you're home, you're not even watching TV, but it's on. You have that background noise. Things telling you you need a new car those things telling you it's time to trade in your phone. If you do this, your life will be better. All those noises are hitting a daily, every single day. How about social media scrolling? How many of you get a thumb workout every day? Or maybe you scroll like this. It's real. I'm telling you guys, it's real. Responding to countless emails throughout the day. They're always bombarding you. Those of you that are business owners in here, you know what I mean. You may or may not know that I also have a business of my own called Shadow Creations. I'm an artist. I build and paint kits, model kits. I have a clientele I paint for, and I ship kits all over the world to people that want me to paint something for them. And I know what that means when they start asking you, how far are you back? Can you do this tomorrow? What about this? Is this kit in stock? It's all day long. I may have voiced my concerned a pastor at one time, and I told him, it can be very overwhelming. But what I've learned 
is you are in control of that. If you take, I either take the morning or I take the evening to answer those emails. If I choose that day to answer, it depends on my therapy, what I'm doing in my day. If I answer all those in the morning and use someone in the afternoon, oh well. The next day it'll be there. That email will still be there. And people have to understand that even though you run a business, you're still a human, you're still a person, and you need rest. And that's very critical. How about those uh, messages on your favorite messenger app? Anybody hear that bell going off all the time? And what do you do? Do you usually jump right to it? Or do you just continue on with what I think sometimes is much more important? How about those, uh, again, the text is coming in. Text is coming in. My middle son, Michael, told me one time, because I would text him, and it would be late in the day or the next day, I'd get an answer. Oh, yeah, everything's cool. It's like, okay. And I said, why aren't you answering me? He would simply say, Dad, if you answer right away, it's not cool. <laughs> that means you don't have a life. That means that you're just waiting for every text. So he gave me a little bit of an etiquette. It really doesn't work with me. It depends on the severity of the text message. If I have somebody that needs pastoral care or somebody that needs immediate attention, then I have to act upon that. And what about the busy schedules with anybody have young kids and your day's just a little crazy? You're just, you're running. You have older kids in sports. You have all these things that are going on. And you're simply wanting what? To rest. You get stuff done around the house. You know, I can relate to that because growing up, I have three sons. And growing up, I was taking them to baseball games, football games, over to their friends. Whatever that was, I was constantly on the move. And you, if you get to know me, you'll know that I always say, as I've got younger, I've learned that, you know, it's okay. If I got to say no to this event, I'm going to say no. If you can't, you can't go to everything. And remember this, parents in the room. We get our kids involved in sports. We, get them, uh, we go on our vacations. We go and do all those things. Those things are awesome. I love sports. But listen, your children watch how you react. Do we go to a Sunday game or do we go to God's house? So what you're saying to them is the, how it, the, the level goes is sports, God, and then right on down the line because they learn by your example. Trust me, I know. I have kids. Kids are always watching you, always. How you react, what you choose, you are making them aware of how to be a dad or a mom. So why do we resist the quiet? Perhaps the rest we desire first comes from hearing his voice. But it may be that we purposely our lives to be cluttered. Maybe you, maybe you like letters. Anybody see the show Hoarders? That's the epitome of clutter, isn't it? People find it very difficult to let go of the clutter and mess in their lives. I watched that a couple times with my Anne Marie, and it was like, how do you get through your living room? Where's your kitchen? You know, things are just cluttered and cluttered, but yet they're comfortable. They're happy. They have no use for it, and they've grown comfortable with it. And you know what, guys? If we're honest with ourselves today, we have all grown comfortable with noise. We 
have all grown comfortable with chaos. So why do you think that is? I would say number one is we don't like quiet. We don't like it because it causes us to face our innermost thoughts. Because if you go sit somewhere, I'll give just a little bit of a demonstration now, and not say anything. Kind of gets awkward, doesn't it? Maybe you're even thinking, where am I going today? Man, is how much longer is he going? You know, whatever that is. Because we don't like quiet. And you know, in some ways, we're running away from ourselves. You know, we quiet, we keep just, we don't like to be quiet. We think, I will outrun myself. No, you won't. Something I've learned since my accident is simply this. You will go, and you will go, and you will go, and then you'll hit the wall. And, and usually it's pretty ugly. When you crash, you're out of energy, you don't care anymore, and you just simply say the words that I used to say early on in my accident, I can't do it. And you know why? Because it's too loud. It's too loud. Quietness puts our hearts on display. And we don't like what we see. We see things like our past failures and missed opportunities. How many have gotten on the struggle bus because of decisions you made in the past? The coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Those things that just stop us in our tracks and we don't know how to react. You know, I think back again early on in my accident, I would always, and it was mostly a common theme I would hear at Rivers Bend where I went for therapy. And they have a lot of different people that's in this place for therapy that have severe brain injuries. Uh, they can't walk. They can't take care of themselves. They don't know how to speak. And I remember one time telling my physical therapist, a.k.a. pain and torture, that's what she said it stood for, that I am on the struggle bus today. And I always remember a young man named Noah would always say, I don't care what he was doing, where he was in a room, he could be on the other side of the gym. He would simply yell out this, get off at the next stop. And if you think about that, we all can get on the bus and then we get comfortable in our seats, don't we? We sit there and we just say, poor me, I got it so hard. Nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Look at what they're doing. Man, they're having fun. My life stinks. My life just stinks. How about we'd rather self-medicate than deal with the pain of quieting our lives? It's sad to say, but some of us fear what would happen if we weren't always busy with a million things running through our heads. So we self-medicate with social media. A binge on Netflix, Hulu, whatever your jam is. You self-medicate on that. Maybe you turn to drugs. Maybe you turn to things that, alcohol, that will just numb your pain for just a moment and give you peace and give you rest from what we've allowed into our lives. And, and in the end, we're more comfortable with the chaos than we are with peace. I mean, think about it. I worked before I retired. I was in uh, the RV business, and I worked for General RV. I was a service advisor in that business for almost 20 years. I was tired. I was beat up. But I learned to survive. I constantly had to have a schedule, a plan, schedule my customers. I wanted to be in control. Somebody showed up early, 
It was the end of the day. I was like, what is going to happen now? Because I wasn't in control. And maybe that's you today. Maybe there's somebody in here that can't get through a day without having a plan. And when things go away, you feel your day is shot. So why not at times just let God plan your day? Yeah, you have to go to work. Yeah, you have to uh, do the things in your life that are important. You do. But I guess my question is, are you leaving room for God to give you something to do? To have you fulfill a purpose he's called you to do. Which leads me in is, what does God say about being still? What does he say? Obviously, one of the best-known Bible verses and a personal verse to me is Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's God's words. And you can break that down. Be still and know that he is God. And that's so important because we get so darn busy, guys, and I'm guilty. You know, you get so busy with the things that you think are important. Jobs come and go. People get injured. People get in a motorcycle accident. Their lives are changed. Blink of an eye. So Psalm 46, 1 through 3 describes the dangerous waters that produce fear. Anybody afraid at times? We live in a crazy world right now, don't we? It's starting to come back to something that resembles normal. But there's still others that are stuck in that stage of fear, anxiety. What should I do? And God is simply saying, take my hand and be still. And know that I am God. Now this psalm is all about, Psalm 46 is really a psalm all about the security with God. And that God is our true home. It, just think about that for a moment. He is your true home. And here's something interesting. It's mostly written in the third person. Psalm 46.10 is. But all of a sudden at verse 10, there's a change. And God speaks directly when he says, be still and know that I am God. He's trying to tell us something, guys. He really is. And there, I looked up some other versions, old, uh, other English versions, bringing out different emphasis of the Hebrew and translate the opening words like this. The CEV, Contemporary English Version, says, calm down and learn that I am God. You have the New Century Version. Be quiet and know that I am God. It's hard to be quiet. It really is. You know, especially if, if uh, your wife's telling you something and you know the answer, but the answer really is to be quiet. And we don't. We don't. Because those filters get messed up in men's heads. And we simply need to take 4610 in a different direction and say, be still and let my wife talk. And then you will find the peace that you were looking for. And together you can solve the problem. And this one I really like from the Jerusalem Bible, the JB. Pause a while and know that I am God. Think about it. Music suit, you're jamming your favorite jam. You're at the house and music's pumping. And I get told to turn it down. And then you get 
Somebody calls. You hit the pause button, right? That stops it. That stops it. So why is it so hard to hit the pause button in our lives? To simply say, stop. Pause. And what does that equal? Rest. Isn't that what we're trying to do? Find some rest in our lives? As we come before the Lord, we need to start focusing consciously on God. You remember last week Adam spoke about being intentional, having a plan, all those things that you need to do. So you need to start focusing on him, thinking about him, and here's the kicker, not ourselves. Replacing self with him. Remembering what he has done for us. Man, we can look back and see everything that he's done for us. Every step. Remembering that there is no other God but him alone. And that he is for you. Think about that. You're not set up for failure. I was nervous about today. And pastor prayed over me today and just reminded me that God has given me this. I can't fail. It's up to you if you listen. It's up to you if you take the word and apply it to your lives. Because if you do, it's a game changer. It really is. So what do you need at this moment in your life? Do you need rest? Is that your desire of your heart right now? You came in today thinking, man, I would have rather stayed home and slept. I could have slept in. There's a 11.15 service. I'll just go to that one. You could have slept in because you need rest. Well, I challenge you right now, if you need rest, start turning down the volume. Start saying no. Start trimming your plate. I used to say, when people say, man, my plate is full, I always say, get a bigger plate. Just get a big platter like this. You can put all kinds of stuff on it. But that's not what God wants. God wants you to take stuff, remove it, and put him at the center. He'll tell you what to put around it. Picture this. Jesus. Here's God, right? Here's us. Okay, God, I want to do this, 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 this. When are you going to read your Bible? When are you going to pray? When are you going to ask me if I'm on board with this? I would rather move forward knowing that God is with me than move forward on my own strength. Because then it is simply this, a train wreck. It will not work out, trust me. I've tried the road, and when you derail, it can be hard. Maybe you're wanting to hear from God. Maybe that's your heart. You came in today saying, I want to hear from God. So again, I'm going to challenge you. Turn down the volume. You want to hear from God? Read your Bible. You want to hear from God? Pray. You want to hear from God? Sit in silence. I think of King David. He went and sat quietly before the Lord. You walk in, you sit down, and you say, here I am. No wants, nothing in your mind but loving him. So if you're trying to hear from God today, What are you doing to hear from God? I know that sounds simple, but if you don't pray, you don't read his Bible, and you want to hear from God, let me know how it works out because you're not going to hear from God. 
You know, God can speak through others. You're going through a trial. You bring somebody into your bubble. You tell them what's going on in your life. They pray for you. God tells them something to tell you. That's how God works. He speaks through his word. He speaks through prayer. And he speaks through others. So you have to pay attention to that. It's, it's so important. And maybe you come in here today and you say, I really want to know God. I want to know more about him. Who is he? You're talking a lot about today about God that's saying, be still and know that I am God. Are you wanting to know him today? Again, I have to go back to the second point. Open his word. Be in prayer. Join a grill and chill. Do all these things to connect with people so they can be an encouragement to you when, not if, when the storms come. We all hit storms, don't we? We all go through storms. But you know what? Your Savior walks on water. And he's going to be there with you. Let me show you a couple of places in Scripture where being still shows up in the lives of God's people. The first place I want you to go with me to is the life of Ruth in the Old Testament. You may be saying, who's Ruth? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about it. Ruth was a Moabite princess, a very fine character, who became the great-grandmother of King David. She was dissatisfied with the idol worship of her own people. Now picture this. This was a princess. Do this. Do that. I want this. I'm having a bad day. I want this. And she was in what? Authority. She was somebody with influence. But she was dissatisfied with idol worship of her own people. And when the opportunity arose, get this. She gladly gave up her privileges of royalty in her land and accepted a life of poverty among people she admired. Think about that. She walks from this to this. So what did she see? She seen God. She seen faith. She's seen results, and she's seen, I think, something we all want, completeness, a quiet soul, rest. And she found it. So why is Ruth so important in the Bible, you may ask me. Again, I've got an answer for you. Ruth is an important book for two reasons. First, it shows the story of kindness and love, and it also shows restoration and how God wants people to treat one another. How do you treat your brother and your sister? Maybe you're having a little disagreement with someone here in the, in, in the church. So here you are, you're cruising through Myers with your cart and you see them coming, so, well, maybe I don't want cereal. You go in the next aisle and you go down there and you're thinking, man, I hope they, get, I hope they go the other way. You know, but the Bible calls us if we have something against a brother or a sister, we're to go to them, right? to go to them in love and they got that they got that Ruth and Naomi are a reflection of the faithful love of God offered to Israel and to us in the gift of covenant it's just amazing after here's a verse I want you to listen to after the widow Ruth had presented herself to Boaz her kinsman redeemer she received this valuable piece of advice from her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now listen quietly to this. 
Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the men will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Ruth 3.18. See, Boaz is a type of Jesus, our kingsman redeemer. And the Lord works out his will for us, but like her Naomi said, we must sit still. We must wait. How many people have a hard time waiting? My hand's up because I do. And of course, we have to trust. Do you trust God or you don't? I'll make it that simple. Do you trust him or do you not trust him? Ruth and Naomi had never read Romans 8.28, but they certainly believed and practiced it. Romans 8.28 was not in their time. That's in the New Testament, right? And here's what Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to their purpose. No, his purpose. He's not saying to you, you know, he has called each and every one of you to something. You have two answers for God. Yes, no. You could use the, uh, some of the Christian response sometimes. You got the right guy, God? We can go all Moses on him and start giving him the reasons we can't do it. But yet God, you know, you think about that when Moses comes and says, I have a speech impediment. I can't do this. Nobody's going to listen to me. The list goes on, you know, if... You're thinking in God's place, you want to go, throw him out, move on. But what does he do? He gives him Aaron. He meets him where he's at, in his dependency, insecurities, and he answers. And he makes him, he makes him go. Now, the French philosopher, Blaise Pascal, wrote, and this is good, all the troubles of men, I'm going to say slash women, are caused by one simple thing, which is their inability to stay quiet in a room. Think about that for a moment. Do something for me today. Go home some point in your house and sit in a room and be quiet. We'll start with a minute, and you can work your way up. But I'm telling you, it's life-changing to just sit quietly before the Lord. God works... Everything out for the good, for our good and glory if we only will quit giving orders and get out of God's way. Psalm 46.10 can be translated this way. Take your hands off. Is that hard for you today? Is it hard for you to take your hands off of what you think you control? Because I tell you, in the end, you really don't have control. You know, it, you never know. Okay, let's see here. If we meddle with the will of God, we are in danger of missing out what he has planned for us. God always gives his best to those who leave their choice, leave the choice with him. And then the next place we're going to take a trip to is Exodus. Exodus 14, 13 says, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. This was said by Moses to, the, to Israel on the night they were released from Egyptian bondage. 
Most of you probably know this story. The Red Sea was before them. The Egyptian army was pursuing them. Uh, no place to hide or escape. You can't go in the water and hide. You'll drown, right? It looks certain. It looks like, honestly, certain annihilation for the Israelites. There's nowhere to go. But there was one thing that the Israelites did have on their side was God. And when the Israelites feared the approaching Egyptians, Moses told them to stand still and watch the victory the Lord will accomplish. And then I'm going to jump over to 1414. Moses shouted, the Lord will fight for you and you should hold your peace. Are you seeing something here? Stand still, hold your peace. Standing still is hard enough, isn't it? But then holding your peace, knowing that God will do everything that needs to be done. You don't have to push it. You don't have to rush it. Pray about it. Because sometimes, you know, obviously God answers in three ways, doesn't he? Yes, no, not time. It's not time. Because his time is more important than what we think the timeline looks like. Because what is time to God? We're on a 24-hour thing. God just says, chill out. I got this. So, here's what happened. The Israelites were to be still and stand still and trust God to do the rest. And that's, a, that's powerful for us today. Be still, stand still, and allow God to do the rest. Moses lifted his rod, stretched out his hand, and the Lord put a cloud of darkness between the army and the Israelites. Then he opened a dry road. Picture this. You have the, red, the sea opens up, and the Israelites are standing here, and this is the road. They're like, Oh, I guess we go this way. They go across. The Egyptians say, well, we can do that too because there's the road. We'll just follow them. Guess what? God says, release. The waters come down, and the most powerful army in the world was destroyed. Why? Because they were still, and they stood still and watched God work. So what battles are you facing now? What is the battle Put it in your mind right now, the biggest battle that you're facing right now. Sorry about that. That's an alarm. That wasn't a text. <laughs> just so you know, I'm just telling you. Maybe the answer isn't to take action yet. Maybe that's not the answer yet. Maybe the answer is to wait on God and allow him to fight your battles. If I would have been thinking, and, but I was really concentrating on the message, I would have had the band do fight your battles. Because that is how we fight. That is how we should fight our battles with the Lord. Not on our own strength. Because you know what? Ain't going to work. Just ain't going to work. We're prone to jump into action and want to solve everything. But perhaps God is asking you to trust him by waiting on him or standing still. And you're like, okay, that all sounds good, Troy, but why is that important? Why should I do it? Give me some reasons. Okay. You asked. The Father wants us to cultivate a quiet heart. Because you know what, guys? The heart of every problem is the problem of every heart. Think about that. The heart of every problem is the problem of every heart. Not just Troy's, Pester's, my wife, dear Rhonda. Every heart. King Solomon wrote, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues 
of life. Proverbs 4.23. And then, of course, the words of Jesus. No servant can serve two masters. Luke 16.13. So are you serving fear today? Or are you ser serving the Lord? Are you serving your plans or his plans? Are you serving money? Are you serving God? Are you serving your church? Or are you doing what you want to? We really have to decide. Now here's this. This, this is from uh, Isaiah 30, 15. If you've never read Isaiah, I would encourage you to. It really gives a lot of light on uh, the New Testament, Jesus. A divided heart is a disobedient heart, and therefore a disturbed heart that enjoys no peace. I'll read that again. A divided heart is a disobedient heart, and therefore a disturbed heart that enjoys no peace. And then in Isaiah 30, 15, he says, In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. There it is again, quietness. That's where you find your strength. You don't find it on I-75 in Detroit when you're bumper to bumper. You don't find it when you're at an outdoor event where everybody's screaming. You don't find it if you're a parent in the backseat of your car when you're driving on the family trip because they are not being still, they're not being quiet, and they're being children. So that's how we got to learn to do, if you want that in the quietness and confidence, shall be your strength. And then in uh, one, another verse I love, Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart, there it is again, that I may fear your name. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me, guess what, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. So undivided heart and fear your, the Lord is named twice in there, isn't it? So maybe getting that undivided heart and serving him and doing God's will, we also have to have some fear of the Lord, don't we? You know, because he's watching. You know, we make the move, we do this, we do that, because you know why? The bad, bad decisions we make is because we really don't fear him. We don't fear the consequences. And then we're going to jump into Ezekiel. I will give them an undivided heart, there it is again, and put a new spirit in them. So I'm thinking peace is on the way. Rest is on the way. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You know, things happen to us in our lives, and we build walls that nobody can penetrate, and sometimes not even God. We build the walls so high that we restrict his voice, we restrict what he's asking us to do, and God is simply wanting you to have a heart of flesh, which means a heart that cares for people, a heart that adores him, a heart that helps your neighbor, just a heart of flesh, not one of, well, man, that really stinks. That guy next door to me, his lawn's 15 feet high, and he doesn't have a lawnmower. What can I do? You know, we have to develop a heart of flesh. So if we're sincerely following Jesus, he will see to it that we enjoy still Waters, there's that peace again. There's that quiet. Picture right now sitting next to a river or a little creek. Nice and quiet, isn't it? 
The water's just running. Everything's quiet. No kids. No spouse. It's you and God's word. Maybe you're having a prayer time. That sounds like peace. That sounds like quiet to me. A place that I like to be because you know what? I do like quiet. I do like noise being turned down. That is important to me too. So as you, we look here at uh, Psalm 23 too, he makes me to lie down, not only to feed, but to rest. There's that word again. And enjoy tranquility. Peace and safety in green pastures where there are both delight and plenty. Does that sound like the next family vacation? Man, think about it, guys. You come back from vacation, you don't need a vacation. You're all rested. You're renewed. Your heart's renewed. Your mind's renewed. You know, in the end, God wants your heart above all else. He can only speak to you when you were still. And then my uh, big point today, I hope you take this, is God speaks loudest when we're quietest. That's when you'll hear the Lord. He's not going to speak over your instant messenger. He's not going to speak over the chaos. He's not going to speak over the mess we made. He's going to speak to us when we decide to be still, to rest, to be quiet, and to just simply talk to him and let him bring us the rest that we need. So, what are some practical ways we can be still? Hang with me. We're getting near the end. Number one, you have an hour each day when your phone is off. You shut it off. My pastor puts his on do not disturb in the morning. I've tried to get him. It doesn't go through. <laughs> it's on do not disturb, but I found a back door. I text Carrie. <laughs> That's my back door. But I admire that because he is saying to the world, I'm out. I need rest. I need no more distractions today. And the other one is, how often do you, you have your television show on? You may answer me. It depends what's on Netflix, if it's a new series. You know, and, and that is a hard thing to do. I, I get it because when we go to Netflix and we go to Hulu and we go to all these shows, what we're really doing is keeping busy, aren't we? We don't want to deal with what we know is true. We don't want to hear the quiet. We don't want to, we rather hear bombs, uh, cars blowing up, action things. Pastor and I are big fans. But there is a time you have to take it away and be still. Have you taken your notifications off for social media and other maps? Another good point that Pastor had given me. Facebook is not on his phone. He checks in at night, sometimes late at night, gives his likes. They don't have dislike buttons, so we can't do that. But it's that temptation is removed from you. There's no notifications, other than my alarm that went off. <laughs> so think about that. One half a day with no notifications, no emails, nothing. Just you, your spouse, your family, God's word time in prayer I'm telling you you'll go away changed like taking a day of Sabbath being still is also intentional and planned for it's like Adam spoke last week 
you know, Ann knows uh, where I'm at in the morning. I'm out of my secret place. I'm praying. I'm reading. And that is the only way, only way I can take my day on. That is the only way. He speaks. So it's time to decide, guys. We're closing it out. Hang with me. In the stillness, we begin the process of sinking himself with us. Think about that for a moment. You're in step with the Lord. Where you go, you know he's with you, right? Why run? He's telling you, I'm right behind you. Sometimes he has to push me from the back. You know, because we can't see that first step, and that's the hardest one to take, isn't it? And it's hard. So, here's number one. In the stillness, we begin the process of sinking ourselves with us, him with us. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to what? Be still. Exodus 14, 14. God does not speak over the noises in your life. He speaks in the stillness. What I'm talking about is when these things begin ruling our life or begin believing, we need to live our life with those things in there. Now you're in dangerous waters. You know, you allow all these things to come in your life and you won't take them out, the notifications, the Facebook, the scrolling, because you truly believe you need to live your life with that. If that's you, don't. Don't do it. What if all these dependencies were a result of the noises that you have allowed into your life? The way you feel, the lack of rest, the lack of peace, all those things that are going on in your life, what if it, that was a result of because of what you have allowed into your life? Could we, it be somehow we've created our own dependencies by allowing noises to dictate who we are? Your identity is in Christ. That's who you are. We do have a choice. It begins with deciding what we allow in our life and becoming aware, get this one, of our thought pattern. Because newsflash, those things that you allow in your life will change your thought pattern. If you allow the Bible in your life, it'll change your thought pattern. If you are net binging on Netflix, if you're reading books that maybe are questionable, it will change your thought pattern. You have to be intentional. And last, it truly begins when we live out Psalm 46.10. To be still and know that I am God. I've asked Adam to do a special song today. And this song speaks of the security found in God. It's just a song that when I first heard it, it just it blew me away. It brought me comfort. And so I went to Adam. He says, piece of cake. So Adam's going to do that for you today.